This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 551 This episode was pre-recorded. Can the comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 305 Bloodlines, a.k.a. What's in Your Sketchbook. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9-SFP. We are taping in advance as we continue to cover the major crossover events in D.C. history. This time, it's Bloodlines, a 1993 event involving D.C.'s annuals with a two-issue miniseries called Blood Bath to wrap it up. You might have noticed we skipped 1992, which consisted of Eclipso, The Darkness Within, a set of annuals best known for a gimmicky cover with a plastic black diamond glued to it, which ruined comic book collections ever since, and The Death of Superman, which took over DC for several months, ending a long era of comic book collecting as their values crashed. Other events in 1993, Trinity, which did not involve Clark, Bruce, or Diana, Rather, the Green Lantern Corps, the acronymed Legion, and the Dark Stars. And Nightfall, a Batman-centric arc where Bane breaks Bruce's back and Jean-Paul Valli, a.k.a. Azrael, takes over. With all these major changes to the status quo, DC needed a simple crossover that wouldn't cause too many ripples in continuity. Bloodlines was a good choice, an alien threat never seen before or since, and a group of heroes, most of whom would disappear or be quickly killed off. Bloodlines, Part 1, Outbreak. In Lobo, Annual Number 1, Lobo had just gotten his own ongoing title, The Main Man and the Legion, come upon an alien ship and track down a gang trying to loot it. Unfortunately, they also come across a group of aliens, all color-coded for your convenience, who get their sustenance by sucking out other life forms' spinal fluid. The method of doing so will be very familiar to the fans of the Aliens franchise. Oh, and they can shapeshift. After one of them is killed, the other aliens manage to escape, and their ship heads toward Earth. In Man of Steel Annual Number 2, the aliens crash on Earth and start feasting on some bikers taking their forms. We're still in the aftermath of Superman's death, so Steel, a.k.a. John Henry Irons, takes the hero role, starting out by doing the stay-in-school bit with a local kid. Meanwhile, the aliens have made it to Metropolis and start on various street people and gangs. One of them, another of Steel's buddies, somehow survives only to find jagged metal coming out of his skin. He can't remember anything, but reflexively, he shoots his internal blades at some street people and then runs off. While the cops are looking for some sort of vampire creature, Steel and his spiky buddy, now called Edge, 
fight off another alien. A set of annuals follow all basically with the same formula. One, main hero is in the middle of a case. Two, main hero finds and attacks an alien. Three, bystander gets attacked by alien but does not die. Four, bystander has lost their memory. Five, bystander realizes they have gained powers. And six, main hero and bystander new hero fight and or team up. This happens in Batman Shadow of the Bat Annual Number 1, Flash Annual Number 6, New Titans Annual Number 9, Superman Annual Number 5, Batman Annual Number 17, and Justice League International Annual Number 4. During all of this, we learn that the reason some people survive is that they have the metagene. In the mid-90s, this was used to explain away virtually every human with powers. The trauma of the attack activates the metagene, presto, changeo, instant superhero. As readers, we realize something else. This whole event is just an excuse for creatives to ransack their sketchbooks where they come up with new characters and ideas to add a bunch of new heroes to the DCU. Now, a little bit of background on this. Prior to 1980, comic book creators were mostly paid on a per-page basis. If they created a new character along the way, the rights to that character went directly to the publisher. This is why, until then, the number of new characters were few and far between. After the rise of indie comics in the 70s, the big boys were forced to change that. Now, if you create a character for a publisher, you have some form of actual rights. It's not like you can take the character elsewhere, but you do get, or are supposed to get, royalties if the character becomes popular. So, creators began pitching new characters and would have sketchbooks full of concepts. Bloodline was an opportunity to release some of those sketchbook concepts into the wild, which is why many of these characters were more concepts than fully fleshed out. Bloodlines Part 2 Earth Plague It's lather, rinse, repeat as new heroes are added to the roster. The aliens have some sort of mission, but it's basically collecting spinal fluid. Annuals include Robin Annual Number 2, Action Comics Annual Number 5, Legion of Superheroes Annual Number 4, Green Arrow Annual Number 6, Detective Comics Annual Number 6, Justice League America Annual Number 7, Adventures of Superman Annual Number 5, and Hawkman Annual Number 1. Bloodlines Part 3 Deathstorm. This section just continues the same formula for the most part. Now, some of the new heroes are joining together as the Blood Pack. You may have noticed that we haven't been listing the names of all these new heroes. That's because you won't get much time to get to know them, with one major exception. In the Demon Annual number 2, we meet Tommy Monahan, an assassin for hire. You might refer to him as a Hitman. This character, created by Garth Ennis, survives an alien attack only to find he now has X-ray vision and telepathy, which are excellent powers for an assassin since it makes it nearly impossible for someone to get the drop on him. Also, his eyes are now solid black, so he wears his sunglasses all the time. Hitman is definitely the winner of Bloodlines. He will get his own series that runs 61 issues, become a JLA member for about 20 minutes, and then gets his own cast of characters, most of which hang out at a bar. Six Pack is basically Barney from The Simpsons, if Barney fantasized about being a superhero. He will later form Section 8, a team of heroes, possibly only in his mind, 
based on regulars at the bar. He actually gets multiple miniseries of his own. Bator is a lord in hell who gets his job taken away by the demon and ends up as a bartender with a single repeated phrase, I am Bator, a parody of Marvel's Groot. Tommy takes assassination jobs involving metas and the supernatural, so at best he's an anti-hero. He becomes one of the most popular DC characters of the mid-90s. The other annuals include Deathstroke the Terminator Annual Number 2, Eclipso Annual Number 1, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Annual 3, Team Titans Annual 1, and Legion 93 Annual Number 4. Now before we go on, we do have to give you a list of these new bloods. You won't recognize most of them. Anima. Animus Summoning Grunge Rocker debuted in New Titans Annual Number 9. Argus, Shadow Melding Undercover Agent from Central City debuted in Flash Annual Number 6. And completely unrelated to Argus the organization. Unrelated. Ballistic, a Korean-American hero and an armed and dangerous vigilante debuted in Batman Annual Number 17. Cardinal Sin, Disillusioned Priest, debuted in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Annual Number 3. Chimera, Illusion-Creating Heroine of India, debuted in Teen Titans Annual Number 1. Geist, Ghostly Night Hero, ironically only becomes visible in the dark, debuted in Detective Comics Annual Number 6. Gunfire, Able to Explosively Convert Matter to Energy, debuted in Deathstroke Annual Number 2. Hook, Hook-handed former soldier debuted in Green Arrow Annual number 6. Jam! Prodigious surfer dude with mind control powers debuted in Legion of Superheroes Annual number 4. Joe Public, strength-siphoning patriot, debuted in Batman Shadow of the Bat Annual number 1. Craig, stone-bodied hero, super strength, debuted in Justice League America Annual number 7. Leta, Tough as Nails Space Explorer debuted in Lobo Annual number one. Lionheart, armored high tech knight hero of Great Britain, debuted in Justice League International Annual number one. Loose Cannon, super strong ex cop, a mood ring version of the Hulk whose color changes as he gets angrier, debuted in Action Comics Annual number five. Loria, woman who could transform into living metal, super strong agent of the quorum. Debuted in Showcase 94, number 12. Mongrel, Dark Force blasting African-American Vietnamese hero, debuted in Hawkman Annual number 1. Myriad, Personality Absorbing Assassin, debuted in Superman Annual number 5. Nightblade, Chinese-American regenerating martial artist, survived Mongols' destruction of Coast City, debuted in Green Lantern Annual number 2. Pax, Last of His Race, Space Shaman, Debuted in Legion Annual Number 4. Prism, light manipulating scientist, debuted in Eclipso Annual Number 1. Razor Sharp, sword limbed hacker, debuted in Robin Annual Number 2. Shadow Strike, tragic hero, dark force energy, debuted in Justice League America Annual Number 7. Slingshot, African American heroine, power to give anything she touches an acceleration factor. Debuted in Justice League America Annual Number 7. Sparks, lightning-wielding heroine from Canada, member of the Force family, debuted in Adventures of Superman Annual Number 5. Terror Smith, monster-making villain, 
debuted in Justice League Annual Justice League America Annual Number Seven. Bloodlines, Bloodbath, the wrap-up to the storyline in the form of a two-issue miniseries. The UN and the U.S. government, High President Clinton, have set up a hotline for those impacted. The whole "see something, say something" bit. And they also want those who have gained powers to check in. Not a good idea. Amanda Waller calls in the main heroes, assigning them to find the alien spaceship. Soups is back in action, but feels terrible he wasn't around to help the initial invasion. Although he was dead at the time, so I don't know why he feels bad about that. One of the aliens is captured while the others are about to implement their final plans. Another hero team trick one of the aliens to give up their ship's location in a nearby swamp. I hope they didn't land on the Legion of Doom. At the same time, the aliens break out their brethren. The heroes attack the ship and a huge fight ensues with the aliens retreating to something called the Taker in a giant pit. The Taker is a giant tentacled alien and the other aliens are eaten by it, charging it up. The tentacles drain the powers and paralyze anyone that attacks it as it rises from the pit. In part two, Superman is about to sacrifice himself to end this when he sees the Flash standing with the Blood Pack, now apparently comprised of all the new heroes created by the aliens. They all seem to have a psychic link that brought them together and are unaffected by the tentacles. They all attack, Nightblade is killed, and the rest swear revenge while constantly arguing. They keep Cthulhu busy. Superman realizes its tail is going back to an oil deposit, using it to gain energy. He blows that up, giving the team a chance to do some damage, but it's not enough. They realize they can combine their powers and blast the hell out of it. This gives the classic heroes, now released from the alien, time to ready for a new attack. A team grabs the alien and throws it into the sun. Problem solved. The whole thing seems to screech to a halt. As noted, most of the new blood is not seen again. Some of the group, set up with corporate backing and led by Infinity Incorporated alumni Jade, get a four-issue Blood Pack miniseries starring Ballistic, Nightblade, Loria, killed in the final issue, Geist, Mongrel, Sparks, and Razor Sharp. After that, DCs seem to make it their mission to slaughter the new bloods. Most of the blood pack are killed in passing during Infinite Crisis, then reappear in cameos during Dark or Blackest Night. Geist and Nightblade were later found in Limbo during Final Crisis. A new blood pack is formed in Faces of Evil, Prometheus, apparently to give him targets to destroy. Anima got her own 16-issue ongoing series and then appeared a few times after that. As you noted earlier, the Argus name would be reused as a government acronym, Advanced Research Group Uniting Superhumans, in the New 52 and in CW's Arrowverse. Gunfire got his own title for a while and later appeared in Heroes in Crisis. Sparks would later be a supporting player in the 90s Superboy title. In a 2011 reboot, part of the New 52, Bloodlines get a six-issue miniseries where a meteor brings aliens to a small town with the lucky ones dying first. Again, Bloodline was a way to bring literal new blood into the DCU, but apart from Hitman, it really didn't take. In our next class, Zero Hour, a.k.a. DC tries to clean up the crisis on Infinite Earths. Announcer Bot... How can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. 
Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.